0: Hey friends, how you doing? I've been waiting for you. I'm Miss Handy and I'm thrilled you've decided that Audacious Leadership is for you. I wanna personally invite you into our Leadership Lounge, the space and place where we lead with big balls or go home. So come on in, have a seat anywhere you like, get curious and let's take this walk down the Audacious Lane of Leadership together. February is Black History Month. As a proud black woman, there's no way I was going to let the month go by without elevating stories about black history our ancestors were subjected to slavery, discrimination, segregation, rape, and other brutal and inhumane acts, many of which cost them their lives. Why? All because of their skin color, because of racism. There are a whole group of folks out there who hate the idea of Black History Month because many of our stories that we elevate are tied to the racism that continues to exist to this day. If the subject of racism is triggering and uncomfortable for you, well, guess what? Our stories are going to continue to be told until the people that can do something about racism do something about it. So brace yourself. I have more stories that I'm going to share about Black history that may shock and surprise you, but aren't shocking and surprising to me. My maternal grandparents, my mother and all of her siblings were all born, raised and educated in the state of Louisiana. Now, I was born there, too, but my parents decided to leave the state when I was about a year old. I've spent a lot of time there with my family for holidays, birthdays, and just because occasions, so Louisiana will always hold a very special place in my heart and in my mind. About three years ago, I discovered a piece of Black history that is tied to the state where I was born, and I haven't been able to forget about it. This letter was typed on letterhead from Louisiana State University, an agricultural and mechanical college in Baton Rouge, Louisiana on October 27, 1961. And it is written to Dr. Harry Ransom, Chancellor of the University of Texas. It reads, Dear Harry, I have your inquiry of October 25th pertaining to integration on the LSU campus. Though we did not like it, we accepted Negroes as students. Therefore, they are permitted to occupy rooms in dormitories and take their meals in university dining halls. We have had a limited number occupy rooms. At no time has a Negro occupied a room with a white student. We keep them in a given area and do not permit indiscriminate occupancy. Thus far, We have had no problem. Our Negro students have made no attempt to attend social functions, participate in athletic contests, go in the swimming pool, etc. If they did, we would, for example, discontinue the operation of the swimming pool. Since we have not had a Negro request that he be permitted to participate in athletics, we, of course, have not had to make a decision. If one should apply between now and February 1st, 1962, the date for my retirement, I think I could find a good excuse why he would not participate. To be specific, LSU does not favor whites and Negroes participating together on athletic teams best wishes sincerely signed troy h middleton president of louisiana state university it's been nearly 63 years since that letter was written by the highest ranking individual at louisiana state university now i don't know what's happening on that campus now But across the board, how is the Black experience different now in 2024 than it was in 1961? Are there still university and college campuses where Black folks are still restricted access to dining halls, dormitories, social events, athletic contests, and... Swimming pools. I'm quite sure that that is still happening today. And the sad thing is, it's not just happening in education. It's happening in companies and organizations, on commissions, on boards, in communities, and in neighborhoods. There are some of us who have been able to acquire finances that allow us to purchase Better homes in better neighborhoods, gated communities, and even with the financial access and the ability to live in those neighborhoods and in those homes, drive those fancy cars, we are still looked at and looked upon with disdain when we try to access the amenities that are part of our paid for experience. We still are looked and frowned upon when we try to access the thing that belongs to us. The world is not better. The world is not anti-racist. We are so far away from that that I don't know even if I will be able to experience that in my lifetime. I'm hopeful for it, but I know where we are now and I'm not naive, and just because some of us have been able to operate in spaces that we normally were not able to be in, that's not the common experience. We're all not there. So until we are all there, we've gotta face the fact, black history is tied to racism. I don't care how much you try to hide it. I don't care how much you try to silence it. In July 2021, I participated on a Zoom call that was designed to discuss patterns of racism. And I was the only Black person there and everyone else was male and female Caucasians. I asked a question in the chat that I really wanted an answer to. It was this, what causes a white person to not be racist? I wasn't prepared for the answer that I received. And instead of that answer coming to me in a public format in the way that it was asked, I received a private message from a young white woman who was in her early 30s, who was educated and privileged. And her response really shook me up. She said, I don't think it's possible. So it's a bit of a dead end. It's built into every overlapping system that makes up the society. Now, by her own admission, racism is built into every overlapping system that makes up the society. We didn't create those systems. They were created by Caucasian people. And if we didn't create them, then how can we then be responsible for breaking them? We don't hold the key to anti-racism. It belongs to those of you with white privilege and power. But the fact that this young white woman did not have the balls to say to the entire group that was supposedly there because they believe in the possibility of anti-racism, she could only say that to me and that she felt comfortable enough to spew her negative attitude, her lack of optimism on me, lets me know where we are in the world in 2021 and where we still are now. The needle has moved forward for some of us, but not nearly for all of us. Those systems have to be torn apart. And until white people have the audacity to step out of the mold that has been passed down to them and say enough is enough. Until we are happy and excited about welcoming the voices, the input, and the investments of black folks, the world is not ever going to see and experience anti-racism. Think about how you lead in your organization and in your company. Are you making space, intentionally and with action, for Black people and other people of color to have access, equal access, to all of the services, all of the resources, all of the amenities, That are a part of the employee experience. If you're not, then you have much work to do within you and within your household because that's where anti racism starts. It starts with the individual. White folks hold the power to break up those overlapping systems. We didn't create it, but yet we are the recipients of the racism that exists. What are you doing to make the world a place where every person can thrive in it? Well, friends, we have reached the end of our episode, but our journey together is just getting started. I am so happy and grateful that you've joined me in our leadership lounge, and I hope that you found the space to be comfortable, interesting, and I hope that something you heard causes you to be just a little bit more curious about audacious leadership. I have so much more in store for us for the next episode and beyond. And I hope that you're planning to continue joining me here in this space and place and bring some friends and associates with you. The more people we have in our leadership lounge, learning and growing and leading together, the faster we can spread our message about audacious leadership so that it resonates and duplicates around the world. In the meantime, I hope that you will continue demonstrating audacious leadership with Big Balls Energy. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on LinkedIn and Instagram under my handle, Miss Handy. And have a fantastic and audacious week.